Welcome, adventurers. What will the night's journey bring? What will Esmeré find under Arjun's light? Joel Rigetti's Speaking Stone Studio presents... Tales from the Dungeon The passing of time was slippery, the endless billow of white mist reaching out across the desolate landscape. By her estimation, it should have taken a little over four bells for Arjun to make its way from its zenith to a position on the horizon. To Esmeré, it felt as though she had walked that long already. Yet the large silvery moon had fallen but halfway from its starting position from earlier in the evening. It was as if time slowed somehow as she trudged on. Her legs ached. She had not walked this far in many, many years. The persistent feeling that a dark shape would pass over the brilliant face of Arjun nagged at the back of Esmeray's mind, and she found herself looking up often. Surely the raven would appear again. It did not. She walked on and on. Her face grew chilled and then numb from the night's deepening cold. Her feet tingled and ached from their unrelenting use. The further she went, the more uncertain she became. Did Arjun move at all, or did it hang frozen in the sky? The man in the hut had said that if she left at the wrong time, she would not find the tree, not find the path that led to those who would provide her the answers she sought. A nagging worry came. Was she walking too slow? Too fast? The concern told her she must go faster. Run, run to the line where the white mist met the star-strewn blanket of the darkest blue. Esmeray pushed that urge down. Too many times in the last days she had been made to feel as a child with no control over her circumstance, not a powerful practitioner of the arcane arts. She would walk at a stately pace. As this internal struggle continued, Arjun finally made its descent on toward the horizon. The moon's size appeared to grow as it sank a phenomenon Esmeré was familiar with. But tonight it seemed more than an illusion. Like when it touched the ground, there would be nothing else in the sky. The ground fog was now luminescent as it reflected Arjun's light, amplifying it somehow. The moonlight had become so bright that it actually hurt her eyes. She found herself squinting to look upon it. There was but a hand's width of space now between the massive circle and the horizon. She could see no evidence of a tree. She should have run. She picked up her pace, long strides carrying her through the glowing cotton sea. Two fingers now. No tree. A panic set in, and all thoughts of respectful decorum left her 
she broke into a run. Arjun touched the white horizon. It was like the moment a drop of rain first touched the surface of a lake. Something singular becoming part of the whole. In that moment, all was white. The sky before her, the ground around her. The brilliance was overwhelming. She threw her hand before her face in an attempt to shade her eyes, to keep them open. There was no tree. Her eyes watered as she squinted into the blinding light. There was no tree. Her vision swam. Esmeray's foot caught on a tuft of grass, and she tripped, falling hard onto her hands and knees. She stayed this way a moment, staring down into the mist, hands lost in the swirling white. Her palms and knees stung from her hard landing. Her watering eyes dripped tears that disappeared into the mist. Something welled up inside her, pressing, growing. Anger, hate, sadness, embarrassment for letting herself be drugged into the middle of nowhere. A sound. There was a sound. She was growling, a scream pressing to get out. In one motion, she rocked back onto her knees, turning her head toward the sky to let out the bestial cry. But as her vision swung from the ground to the scene before her, it froze in her lungs, receded into silence. Fifty paces before her, like a black bolt of lightning sprung forth from the ground, framed by Arjun, was a tree. Esmeray's green eyes went wide. Gaze locked on the tree, she felt around until she found her staff, which she had dropped in the fall. She stood, slowly, shakily. Afraid the tree was nothing more than a trick, she dare not look anywhere else. Her approach was slow. All the night the ground had been completely covered in fog. But around the tree's base... A patch some forty feet in diameter stood clear. It was unlike the moors over which she had just passed. There were a few small tufts of dull gray grass. The ground was made of rock and dirt, dark as a cast iron pot. The roots of the tree snarled and snaked their way over the rocky terrain as an old withered hand. As she drew within ten paces, her feet crunching on the hard soil. The tree did not become more defined. It remained like a silhouette, black and flat. Esmeray moved to within arm's reach. It was disorienting. Though the roots moved out past her feet, the tree itself seemed to have no dimensions, no depth. Eyes still trained on this oddity, she began to chant, long fingers moving through practiced patterns. She spoke the final word and waited. No aura appeared. This tree, whatever it was, was not magic. She gingerly reached out a hand and laid it upon the trunk. She really wasn't sure if there would be anything there. But there was. As cold as the night was, the instant her hand touched the tree, a deep chill ran through her. 
ears filling with a sound of rushing wind. A wave of nausea passed over her. The sound of wind shifted into a ringing, and then it all ended with a dainty crack, the sound of a twig breaking. Esmeray snatched her hand back, stepping away from the tree. As the disorientation passed, her eyes focused again, her breath caught in her chest. Though still dark, the tree was now clearly round, its trunk a half a pace wide. The rough bark was the color of lead. It bore no leaves, skeletal branches reaching all directions, up and above her. A waft of cold wind ruffled her robes, and from the corner of her eye she saw something move, swing from a low branch. Boots. She turned quickly toward them, stepping back, staff extended. But there was nothing there. She could feel the thump-thump, thump-thump of her heartbeat in her chest. She stood, staring. Ten beats passed with no sign of anything, any one swinging from the branches. And then a cold breath on her neck. She spun again to see nothing before her. Esmeray retreated from under the branches. She stood for several bars, looking the tree slowly up and down. But nothing transpired. No movement, no feelings, just the endless expanse of white mist. The shadowy tree like a fracture in the night. And Arjun slipping away. The tree was just the beginning. She was to continue east. For the first time since the tree's appearance, Esmeray shifted her attention, looking east from the clearing. Mist covered all, except the area below the tree, and one small swath, a pace in width, leading away, away toward Arjun, away east. A path. She glanced back to the tree, still not completely convinced it was done with its tricks, not completely convinced it was only a tree. But it sat there, still. Arjun was no longer round, but an arch. Gathering herself with a breath, she stood tall and made her way around to the path, avoiding passing under even a single branch. It felt wrong to turn her back on that tree, like leaving something in her wake to stalk her. But whereas Arjun seemed to have crawled through the sky earlier, now that it had touched the horizon, it seemed to be rushing away, eager to leave this night behind. Time to move on, she thought. Answers lie ahead. She stepped onto the narrow path. Esmeray moved quickly now, not out of fear or panic this time, but out of anticipation and impatience. There had been too many half-answers, too many truths shrouded by shadow. Whatever lie at the end of this was not much further now. She could feel it. The path wound forward through the mist. As she progressed, the depth of the fog grew. 
Through Esmeray's travels this night, the mist was always below her knees. Now it seemed to rise up with every hundred paces she passed, up to her knees, to her waist, elbow, shoulder. When it had risen above her head, it felt as though she was passing through a maze, a massive hedge of white fleece to each side of her. In front of her where the black ribbon of the path met its vanishing point. Arjun shrunk. Not long ago, it felt as if the moon took up the entire sky. Now it was as if a traveler fled far ahead with a lantern. Silvery light fading into a weak yellow, arch growing smaller by the beat. It would be gone soon. She walked as fast as she could without running. The fog rose, infinite walls to her left and right, bending to become a tunnel. Esmeray's footfalls were the only sound. Staccato strikes upon the rock, swallowed by the mist. Arjun became a single point of light, and then a flat line, and then it was gone. The very moment the light vanished, the clean edge of the fog surrounding the path broke and it fell silent as snow around her. It pushed in, filling her lungs, erasing everything. She held a hand up before her. She could not see it. Esmeray could have surrendered to fear and panic, but she felt nothing. What use was being afraid here? Using her staff as a probe, she felt the ground before her. It seemed clear. She continued forward, slowly at first, but as nothing seemed to be in front of her, she picked up the pace. She was either still on the path, or this was her end. She cared not which at this point. All was white. Her thoughts and the clack, clack, clack of her footfalls were all Esmeray had as proof of her own existence for a time. Subtly, the white began to tint with gray shadow. The shadows darkened, fighting to become shape. And then, just as quickly as the fog had swallowed her, it spit her out, out into a bleak, gray landscape. In her passage through the fog, Esmeray had never had the sensation of going up. Nevertheless, she was now in a bleak, mountainous terrain. She stood on a road not much wider than a carriage that ran along the side of a ravine. The stern mountains were of dark rock, the color of slate and coal. Jagged trees poked up from the landscape here and there, the same shadowy black as the tree at the beginning of the path, the same odd flatness. Rain clouds hung low in the sky, and though everything appeared damp around her, no rain fell. Esmeray had seen sketches done in charcoal, with expressive shading and exquisite detail, the lack of color enhancing the subject matter. Wherever she was now gave the opposite impression, as if the lack of color was punitive, as if the rocks and trees should have been painted in vibrant hues, but its creator withheld them as some hateful statement a mockery of life. Casting a glance over her shoulder, 
The wall of fog still hung there, a vast expanse of impenetrable white. Wherever she was, it began here. Ahead was all there was. She walked. A half a bell or more, she continued along the side of the steep mountain, eventually coming to a wide bend that turned first south and then back on itself around a sharp turn to head north again, at least what she assumed was north. The dark and dull of the world around her felt infectious, as if it was trying to press into her, to suck what bits of color she had from her. Another bell she walked until up ahead, some two hundred paces away, she saw the first evidence that something dwelled here, a bridge. It was constructed of cut stone and spanned the ravine along which she traveled. Desmarais' pace slowed. When she was within fifty paces of the bridge, she stopped, looking across the ravine to where the bridge might lead. The side of the mountain upon which she looked was darker still than most of its surroundings, making it hard to pick out any details. But then something caught her eye a flicker of white. And when she had found that, another, and then another, they were rectangular. Windows. It was light issuing from windows. It had taken a moment for her mind to piece it together, as firelight or lantern light should have been a warm yellow or orange. But here, it was a ghostly white. Had she found a settlement? In answer, a flash of white in the sky, a bolt of lightning illuminating the drear, searing a picture into Esmeray's mind. There was a town. The road, passing over the bridge, ran up the dark side of the mountain, between tall buildings of dull stone and slate roofs. The pale light that she had seen issued from only a few windows in that place. Far too few. Above the town was an object that Esmeray had assumed to be a rocky spire. It was a tower, black as night, and as the lightning passed, the image fading into memory, she could see, just below a peaked roof, one piercing light, a single illuminated window. Esmeray's grip tightened on her staff. Another bolt of lightning flashed. Motion much closer than the town drew her eye. It was there, on the opposite side of the bridge, atop the stone wall that ran along one side. A smudge of black on gray. A cop, cop. And the raven spread out its wings, taking to flight. A gloomy town lies ahead on the mountainside. Who or what resides there? Stay tuned next week for part five of The Path Beyond the Wall.
Joel here. Uh, I hope you enjoy this, and I really hope you like creepy, because that's kind of how the rest of this story goes. It's been sort of creepy. It gets pretty creepy from here on out. Uh, I had the great opportunity to write this for a friend and patron uh, of my show. He One of the opportunities, if you are in the natural 20 tier patronage, uh, I actually, you have the opportunity to provide me with a prompt, and this is one of those stories. So I hope you enjoy the spooky. I hope you enjoy this story. And it was just a great joy to write this for a friend 